Welcome back to the Deeper Dive podcast, <laughs> produced locally in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell. Once again, joined by Father Jack Berard. Hey, Bill. Father Larry Swink. Hey, Bill. And Father Scott Woods. Hey, Bill. Today, uh, the topic, we're going to talk about a top where all good topics come from, the golf course. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> we're going to talk about <laughs> celibacy. Um, uh, uh, history um, and uh, kind of dispel some uh, the misconception that it uh, getting rid of it is the uh, hmm. is the solution to all the church's ills. That's right, Father Jack. Yeah. So that so that's that was not an exaggeration to say that this topic came off the golf course because you know most of the time in public you know like all of us were except for Bill. Uh, we're in clerics, you know, uh, so people know like immediate or most people know immediately what we are, right? As 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 priests, but you know, golf course would be a little weird if I went out in clerics. So you know, it, usually it's it's a fun game to try and guess like when is and it's DC area. So when somebody gonna ask you, hey, what do you do? Like, what do you do for a living? You know. So I got to about hole three or four this past Monday, uh, and the guy I'm golfing with, nice guy, uh, goes, so Jack, what do you do? I'm actually a Catholic priest. And he goes, oh, I'm actually Catholic, which is actually strange. And, like, he goes, I'm not the greatest practicing, but he goes, I go most of the time. And <laughs> uh, which I'm like, actually, that's the first time I've ever gotten that. And immediately, I mean, before, but by the time he got, he heard it when he was at his cart. And by the time he got to the tee box, he turns to me and goes, when's the church going to uh, wise up and drop that celibacy requirement for you guys? Like, it was, it was like immediate reaction. And I kind of, you know, he got to hit first because he was much better than I was. And, and I just kind of went, well, why do you say it like that? Because I'm thinking, because one of my favorite reactions to give, not that not that it's the best one in the world, but this sometimes we're like, it doesn't really affect you, right? Like, I mean, I'm the one who's celibate, not you. Like, <laughs> like shouldn't I be the one yeah. who's fighting for celibacy or, or ending the celibacy if, it, if it's really that big of a deal? And he goes... He goes, well, it's just, it seems like that would really get rid of some of those, some of the problems they've had with, with the abuse. And, and of course I took the Cardinal Dolan approach because Cardinal Dolan wrote an article about how he did this one time at an airport. And I turned to the guy and I said, I mean, yeah, but statistically you got a better chance of abusing your son than I do of abusing a child. And he was like, what? That, that always goes over <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, it turns out, like, we ended up, now, 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 to my credit, I have, you know, it worked, you know, because uh, we ended up having a decent conversation about it, um, <laughs> about that and everything else throughout the rest of the golf course, because uh, otherwise it's a long 15 holes. Um, <laughs> but but I said, I was like, I was like, the reality is celibacy isn't the issue. And I said, the, I said, I said, the reality, like, all abuse is, is not, a, it's really not about sex, it's about power. And... Mm. And it is something to to kind of recognize that when we talk about an abuse of something, you don't want to just get rid of of all things that we could. I said, and I said, so for that, like I said, I, we didn't really talk a whole lot about celibacy, but it did kind of spark in my mind just because um, it had that, and I'd helped with a discernment retreat recently, and so celibacy came up there, and I, so it's kind of been on my mind, and and it's a topic I don't think we've talked about a lot, but I think there's a lot of beauty to the teaching of the church on why why uh latin or roman catholic priests are, are celibate so um i mean i'm i'm the low guy in terms of time uh spent celibate uh on the on the on the totem pole here but you know father larry i don't know if you have like a good kind of starting point for us to jump off of 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's a great point. It's funny, Father Jack, you're talking about this because me and Father Bob, two celebrants, were playing golf with, and we got linked up with a third yesterday for veterans. They were just playing nine holes. And it was the same thing, fourth hole, what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it, it was literally, it was, I was laughing inside because it was literally the fourth hole. I'm like, wow, something <laughs> about that fourth hole. It is. But uh, yeah, I, I think too, you know, when we're talking about celibacy is, um, I think a lot of times people look at it just from a pragmatic point of view. And I think it would be uh, behoove us to speak it from like a spiritual point of view, also where it is in our sacred tradition yeah. and why it's spiritually beneficial you know, for, for us to be celibate. And, and the other times it, it, it shocks people when they're like, they're, they're, I mean, they think they're, they're kind of helping us by saying, Oh, we hope that someday they'll take away. We're this, praying for this. you, father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you sit there and look like I made this decision. Like really, this is, yeah. yeah. Like, I, like this was part of the deal. That's it why it's not a shock at ordination that I, that yeah, all right. of a sudden I was celibate. Yeah. Joking. I, I yeah. Think, yeah, exactly. And the people are like, oh, I thought I was helping you. Like, no, you're not helping me. And it's kind of, it's, it's actually insulting yeah. when you attack celibacy because it's, it's sort of a badge of honor, I think, for us priests. Mm. And there, there is sort of a, a fecundity that comes from that, you know, spiritually. And um, we can talk about this. But I think the first, maybe the first thing is that that point you were making that the guy made about how this will solve the problems of the priesthood. Yeah. And um, there's a book that came out and Folks, it was written by Robert Cardinal Seurat and also um, Pope Emeritus Benedict. And uh, and it's basically, it's called From the Depths of Our Heart. It's on priesthood, celibacy, and the crisis of the Catholic Church. So it, it basically, from two really holy and intelligent men, arguably some of the most intelligent men in the world, they, they tackle this. But here's the quote from him, and maybe we can kind of talk about this. He says, Cardinal Seurat, says, we will not solve the crisis of the priesthood by weakening celibacy. On the contrary, I am convinced that the future of the priesthood lies in gospel radicalism. Mm. Priests must live out celibacy in a kind of poverty. They are called to it in a special way. He goes on to say, celibacy, poverty, and fraternity lived out in obedience by priests are not only means of personal sanctification, they become signs and instruments of a specifically priestly life. You know? I just thought I was like, bam, he kind of nails it. And uh, so I guess, Father Jack or Father, maybe put it back on the two of you. Why do you think that, I mean, like Pope Benedict is saying, unlike this guy that Father Jack met on the golf course, how can we show people that actually the celibacy is a strength that helps the church? Yeah. Well, like we're, You know, and I think it is part of, a part of, I think, a larger cultural statement. Right. That um, that, you know, I think, you know, buddy on the golf course or um, or so many people, even in the pews kind of have been taken in by by the sexual revolution. That's now what, um, you know, what, 50 something years old, you know, of of freedom in, you know, which isn't real liberality in, in, you know, sexual mores will lead to a healthier existence. And so. To them, they you know who have accepted that right, they tend to then think so. Anybody who's not using their sexual desires as they please without any external, uh, which is a ridiculous thing anyone to say, uh, input means means that they cannot possibly be happy. And even if they think they're happy, right. it's a fake happiness, right? And so, so I mean, I think that's part of it is that 
you know, I think as you kind of highlighted, Father Larry, is that, you know, we can't just talk about it from a strictly practical point of view. Um, if, if we try and argue celibacy from, oh, this is whatever, this is, this is uh, important for the sake of, you know, X, Y, and Z historical reasons, like, oh, we don't want to hand down church property down the, down the lineage or whatever, all these weird things that get said about celibacy. If we try and do that, or even if it opens priests to ministry, I think that can be kind of a, a danger too to say or limit celibacy to that reason. It, you, it doesn't get there. It doesn't get to the heart of what we're trying to to express. Uh, the priest is trying to express by his identity, by his celibacy. Um, right. Father Scott, right. I'm uh, for, and for, uh, for actually for all of you, but I'll start with Father Scott. You know, you prepare, you have prepared many a young man at least uh, to discern um, the priesthood. I think, is it even, does it even come up as a stumbling block, block celibacy compared to some, some of the other things uh, of, of living, you know, a, as a priest? Yeah, I would say after the, after the stumbling block of just, I'm not holy enough, which is mm-hmm. the number one, I would say uh, that many mm-hmm. of them face is, is definitely celibacy um, because uh too often it's one of two extremes, either that this is just absolutely impossible um, for, for, for that young man thinking it's impossible for him um, because he thinks that priests, you know, uh, have somehow bypassed all natural, mm. <laughs> natural law doesn't apply to us. And, and therefore <laughs> there is no real sacrifice there. Um, superpowers. Or, superpowers. Exactly. Oh, wait, Father Scott, Father Scott, can I just say, this is so funny because like what you're saying one time this lady at Aftermath, like, preached about vocations of the priesthood. And she's like, wow, that was, like, beautiful homily. But, you know, my son my son just like, likes girls too much. And I'm like, well, what? I was like, I, I was <laughs> so angry. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, so priests don't like, you know, that, that exactly. whole idea, like, priests have no natural desires. Anyway, go ahead. Exactly. And, and so it, it, it is a major thing that comes up, and it's like, I think it's not been emphasized enough the gift of celibacy, that it is mm. a gift. It is a gift from the Lord that one has to ask for, discern uh, if one is called. And if one is truly called, the Lord desires to give this gift of celibacy. And it is a gift. And that it's a gift, like any gift, one, one has to, uh, like, like in marriage, um, there are gifts given. Uh, but one has to cooperate with the grace and be open to receiving the grace and working with the Lord in that. And then right. com- combined sometimes with uh, perhaps a, a mom who wants uh, grandchildren as well. I mean, did, did well, that's yeah, a major they thing feel because, that pressure? Oh, major, especially especially now that so many have less children. Um, I, I can think of a number of young men I've worked with, and uh, and the and the parents sometimes very devout parents even have been very surprised, but where they see, oh my, my plans for my child, you know, because right. they'll be celibate, and yet. Um, and yet the joy, when they see the joy in their son's life, um, when he, you know, those who've made it to priesthood are, are in seminary and see that they have a joy-filled life that is far richer than what they would have imagined. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know why I thought of this, because the seminary jokes that, like, or even, you know, kind of priest jokes sometimes make that are just really bad, um, one of my f- least favorite is... Is it's the least favorite is I can hear your confession I can't do anything about it but the second one <laughs> is when people are like how celibacy going 
or how do you like celibacy? It's, and to say celibacy is easy, it's chastity that's hard, right? Like, I just mm. think that's so, like, mm. I mean, it's technically correct, but it is like one of those just like kind of gross statements a little bit. Um, but it, it does also highlight, though, I think something that, that would be important maybe to come back to at some point in our conversation is that we're called to celibacy, which is the renunciation of marriage, to, to refrain from that sa- that sacrament for the sake of receiving holy orders. Um, but but each Christian is called to chastity, and how that chastity. chastity is lived out slightly different for, for a religious and a priest uh, than, a, than a married person. Um, but I think it's something right. really important that I think we it would help, I think, to kind of talk about a little bit is, is that difference of, of how chastity then plays into that celibacy. Cause I think that exactly highlights your point, father Scott of how one can live a joy filled celibate life. And it can't be done <laughs> living yeah, unchastely. Cause, cause I've, I've sometimes put it back when the, a guy reacts or someone comes to me, Oh, I wish you a uh, priest could marry. I said, well, how would you feel if I said, I wish you uh, didn't have to be monogamous in your mm. marriage. You could, you know, date anyone you want. Yeah. So sad you're married to this one person who's mm. aging now. <laughs> how horrible, you know. But yeah. it's true. It's right. a true statement, you know. And not not the how horrible, but the, just that, you know. How, and, and sometimes wakes them up to yeah. go, you know, because I said that's what you're doing to celibacy. There, you're you're only looking from one angle, and which is skewed, and 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 I'm sure it comes from ignorance. Um, and not seeing right. the beauty that there is beauty here. That why would the church require this when, and so many young men and women uh, truly embrace it, if it were just this horrific, horrific thing? Yeah. yeah, right. And I think too, it also it also stems from. I mean, we have to look at it. It stems from uh, love of God, and it's just it's an extension of love. You know that people look at it as like you're you're not you don't want to love anybody, and it actually is a very and like going back to. Cardinal Sarah's point, it's a radical form of love where you're denying um, something that's very good. Marriage is a good thing. Having children is a powerful thing. And it's all, it's part of being a man, but it's saying, I'm going to deny this, this good for a greater good. And I, I think like celibacy, according to our theology, is a sign there's something greater than sex out there. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> like to, that, just that, to take that point, too, I, I remember after uh, the new Star Wars series came out and one of my friends saying, oh, yeah, you guys are like Jedi. Like, no, Jedi, are, they're not supposed to love. And they're, mm. and they're fake, but they're not supposed <laughs> to love also. I said, it's the opposite for us. We do it because of love. It's because of love. I, personally, I like to be like Luke Skywalker if I get that identity, but that's all right. Yeah. We can cut off your hand if you want to get your prosthetic. <laughs> One step, one step closer. <laughs> You're not my father. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So let's let's look just so that we kind of you know how many lightsabers you're going to get for Christmas now for saying that. Oh, <laughs> that would be a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your winter help was I really love it. Um, you know, let's look at um, let's look. I think maybe just a little bit back and and take take this step back before we really dive into that that thought of why we do it for love and how that really plays out is is like, where does it fall in like scripture and tradition? Cause I, I think, right. You know, there's a couple of places where, where, um, where we can find it, but I think we should start maybe, I mean, I'm going to start with Matthew 19, Matthew 19, yep. 12. So it's Jesus words. He says, some are incapable of marriage because they were born. So some, because they were made so by others, some, because they have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept this ought to accept it. And you know, 
that's that's what it I think we're we're trying to highlight in a, in our discussions kind of casual but you know <laughs> we're not the first two categories I mean you know I I mean I I can only imagine that uh, Father Scott there were there were ladies who were attracted to you and Father Larry there are women with bad taste and so uh, <laughs> that was easy I had, I had to keep going so that you didn't make that Later. joke. <laughs> <laughs> you like that's why you wanted to do this podcast yeah. just for that clip. Listen, all I do to, all sense. I all I do in preparation for this podcast is come up with jokes <laughs> for you, okay? Uh don't worry. No, that's not true. Um but yeah. <laughs> so so it's so all of us are capable of marriage and 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 it's not really a forced upon thing, right? It's it's freely chosen. That's an important important step I think in this in this process. Yeah, well, Father Jack, it's also a point that Jesus says it's not for everybody. Right, right. Like, it's not, it's, it, God chose certain men to do this for his kingdom. And not, he says that, not only everyone can do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I think that goes back to Father Scott's point, is that it's a gift and it's a grace that God gives. Her. And it's part of the discernment process. When we go to the seminary, they, we discern that gift. Am I able to live this life for God, which is a, a radical gift of love? For him, which is going to give, it's, it's kind of, which will bring forth spiritual, spiritual life. And I think too, I was, I was kind of reflecting on this the other day. It just driving is like, you know, how many people call us father, and how many sort of like spiritual kids we have. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean, if you have been priest for 10, 15, I mean, Father Scott, I mean, you have tons of, you know, kids that call you father. You know, and consider you a spiritual father. And there's, and even Jesus says in the gospel that. Those who, you know, what do you say, that, that uh, you know, forsake, you know, uh, houses and, and wives, you know, will have, will have, you know, much more land and also, uh, and children, you know, uh, tons, you know, hundred, hundredfold later. I mean, they, you know. And, when, and actually it says this, in this life and in the life In this come. life. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So there's, there's this, I think, the, I think people look at it as like sort of a sterility and it's not, it's, it's basically, it's, it's a, it's a radical form of love for spiritual sort of procreation to bring forth spiritual children through this gift and also through our preaching and our availability to our people to be able to love them as a, as a father. Now, I guess going back to your point, Father Jack, with that gospel, it, 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 a lot of times you hear this, people say, um, well, yeah, but celibacy we started in the fourth century mm-hmm. and it was a discipline of the church and, and, and priests used to be married. Um, can you can you answer to that that sort of rebuttal? Well, okay, so so I mean we can we can say that uh, of course in in the history of the church there's times in which priests have been married. There are priests to this day who are married because this is an this is a this is a discipline. This is something that can change, right? And and I think every one of us is aware of that, and um, and it 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 just means that we um, we shouldn't be scandalized by the fact that you know priests had had kids you know, or, or, or wife. Right. Um, but, but to say that, uh, free, that, you know, the, the word universal marriage is, is not quite right. Um, right. It, it's not that it started in the fourth century because actually we have examples of, of, you know, the order of virgins, for example, uh, very early on in the church. Um, we have examples of men and women who renounce, um, now, this universal discipline, quasi-universal discipline, in at least the Latin church, yeah, that's that's later, but to be fair, you don't really start disciplines like this when you're afraid of 
all of your people being thrown to lions in the Colosseum, right? So it takes until after at least the 4th century with the Edict of Milan just to be tolerated, um, but really even much later for the church to come in and see, wait, we no longer have to cower in, in the shadows. Now we can come out into the light. How do we glorify God best? And that's where we have a much deeper sense of all theological reflection, which includes this this idea. Because I'm going to turn, this is kind of going to be a help, a little bit kind of a shift, um, but bear with me, is that um, is that St. Paul writes, 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians, I think, like 52, 53 AD. Yeah. And he says, I, I should like you to be free of anxieties. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please right. the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. And he's going on, and he's, you know, and other times he he recommends to his, his flock that people should remain unmarried. Um, so there is a sense in which celibacy has always been esteemed um, in the church. Yeah. Um, right. It might not have been universal discipline, just, you know, all those kind of things, but it's just a really bad reading of history to say, that nobody was celibate before the fourth century, right? Oh, well, and, and remember that even when they had married priests, they made they they lived. Um, what was the word um, continent? Continents. They did not have yeah. relations any longer with their wives. Yeah, and that's yeah, what well, many many people forget. When we did have married priests, <laughs> they were continent, right? I mean, and that's Father Scott. You bring up a great point because in this book by Cardinal Sarah, he says this: some commentators show terrible intellectual dishonesty. They tell us. There were married priests. That is true, but they were obliged to practice complete continence. He goes on to say, do we want to go back to that state of affairs? <laughs> the esteem in which we hold the sacrament matrimony and the, the better understanding we have of it since the council forbid it. You know, and he basically says it was, it was, a, it was actually more of a burden, you know, mm. for, and, and in some ways you're married, but you couldn't express. I mean, in a sense, you had to live continently, yeah. right? And no relations so with the woman that you, you know, seemingly have been married to and, and usually had already had children with and and now you're right. living in the same household in, in a celibate manner and that's it. With like yeah. a Josephite marriage. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. And the, and then you see councils as the councils are are the local councils are, are growing, you see more and more uh really the Holy Spirit moving them uh to towards celibacy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, so, I mean, we're recognizing that, yes, this is a discipline that does kind of shift over time, but there's always this, there, there are several things that, if we're honest, kind of point to the fact that celibacy also had a, had a, um, a, a place of honor, right, in the life of the church and the spiritual life. And, and not forgetting, of course, the fact that, you know, uh, you know, our, our religious brothers and sisters, right, whether, right. whether ordained or not, um, they have always had, uh, a call to celibacy and, and for several reasons and it's slightly different than diocesan celibacy as father carter griffin points out but um but there's still a, a greatness to the fact that you know for 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 i think a certain reason we in the diocesan priesthood are kind of targeted for our celibacy because we see it as weird and we live in the world a little bit more than the, the religious right. Um, right whereas the religious i think not many people are are you know screaming at at religious sisters about <laughs> about their call to celibacy? I may be confused sometimes, but I don't think. Or at least right. they're not saying, "I oh, will, sister. I wish you could marry." Yeah, <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. I've never had a religious sister say she's ever gotten that. Right, so. right. 
You know, when I was looking through, brought up Father Carter Griffin, a priest here in the Archdiocese of Washington at our seminary, and uh, I'd re- I, when I was just looking for different things on celibacy, I came across where he refers to um, celibacy as a, as a point of strength almost in the confessional, mm-hmm. saying that, that St. John Vianney had pointed out that, that he firmly believed it was because of his celibacy people were drawn to him like a magnet, both men and women for sexual sins mm. that, it, that, that they saw in him because he was celibate, it, that it almost gave them, uh, saw him as being more worthy to hear their sins. Well, on. And, and this is kind of an interesting thing. Cause I remember hearing yeah. before that, you know, so, you know, somebody <laughs> saying, you know, one of the nice things about celibacy is I, I even know that if my husband walks up to you, he's not going to say, Yep, my wife does it too. Kind of stinks, <laughs> doesn't it? Right? Like like he would to anybody else, right? Yeah. It, it it truly does kind of yeah. put us on apart, which is what it's supposed to do. Put us apart from the world and point us to to uh, by our lives. Our lives are directed towards towards heaven, and so you know it, it's probably a very similar feeling to what John Vianney, Saint John Vianney, is describing, which is uh, that the celibacy gives that that sense of there's something different. Um, and, and you hit on something, too, that, that it is one of the great reasons I believe our Lord uh, really wanted to have celibate priests in the, in the church, the vast majority, is it's such a great sign to the world that we believe yes. this much in heaven. We believe this much in the promises of our Lord, that we can, we can sacrifice the good of marriage that we could have embraced yeah. uh, for the kingdom of God and for the purposes of the Lord. Yeah. Right. I, I, I was just sharing with the, the teens because it's a high school discernment retreat, I, I, you know, because the celibacy question comes up, and I was like, you know, there are these all these practical concerns. Those are usually the first thing said. Oh, it opens us up for ministry. You know, you can kind of give more of yourself. You can give it in this. And I'm like, I don't, that doesn't do it for me. It, it never has. But the the more I reflect on, you know, more technical language, the eschatological, uh, you know, witness that celibacy grants the fact that um, that what man what, what God has brought together no man put asunder till death do us part is the marriage vows, right? That the marriage ends at death, but priesthood doesn't. And so, I, that is the that is the only thing as I ref, like that has been a great fruit of prayer I think for myself to, in like you know in my own discernment of was like was what does that mean exactly and how does that really play out moment to moment. Um, how does the Lord work in this this reality of witnessing to heaven first? Yeah, and Father Jack, that last point you made is really strong. And Paul VI in 1967, he said something very similar to what you just said. And he said the consecrated celibacy of the sacred minister, which is the priest, actually manifests the virginal love of Christ for the church mm-hmm. and the virginal supernatural fecundity of this marriage. Christ offered himself on the altar of the cross Every day the priest renews this oblation in pronouncing the words, this is my body, which is given up for you. Mm. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like saying, if you look at it from a spiritual dimension, I think we also fail to re- like mention the fact that Jesus Christ was celibate. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like, like well, well, wait a minute. I mean, like he was in the Jewish tradition, you were, it was kind of, it was weird if you weren't married. Like celibacy was kind of a scandal. Right. And so it's it, it's it's kind of but he chose 
like to live this celibate lifestyle, you know, to give himself totally to, and, and as priests, we're in persona Christi, mm-hmm. right? That we're, we're modeling him almost in every, in every facet of his life, right? Becoming like, like him, right? Which is kind of, it's, you know, it takes a lot of contemplation to get to that point, you know, but it's that the idea that we're supposed to be another Christ, even in, in this, in this, uh, in this, uh, you know, current sort of modeling his celibacy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, the, the, that's, that's why we can kind of speak of celibacy in a way This is our whole life is directed in this way is because it is something that doesn't change. And it is something that, um, that we kind of, you know, all of our, all of our life direction is, is kind of pushed in that, in that sort of way. And it kind of flows out of this, um, out of this. Yeah. And it's meant to, in that it's meant to give us a greater capacity to love. Mm. You know, so I always say to young people when I visit and they ask about the, about the celibacy, I always say, well, you know, those who are married are called to this beautiful, this beautiful exclusive love, mm. a certain exclusive love for their spouse and a particular love for their children. Uh, but the celibate is called to a, a very non-exclusive love. He's called just to pour himself out, first be filled with Christ, and to pour that out to all the people. And that that is a, a beautiful thing, actually. I wish reading the Why Celibacy book that he's quoting. I think it's Teresa of Avila, and and she says something along those very lines of of the whole like our whole life has to be an emptying out because God doesn't fill what's already filled, right? Mm, he he, you mm. know, it's, I don't like to say he can't because he can do whatever he wants, but like it would be painful for us if he tried to fill what was already filled. So our our whole life has to be an emptying out and and she actually refers to the loneliness as a gift the loneliness of celibacy which i think is i think it's one of the harder things i don't know that it's necessarily probably the best thing to try and talk about you know in five minutes in a podcast but you know the 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 quote-unquote loneliness of celibacy is is itself a gift not because uh loneliness is a good thing but because it pushes us to if, if we're wise, um, it pushes us to rely on God in a, in, in a, a way in which you, you really can't, it would be on, it would be unfair. So here's my, here's my example is, um, you remember a couple of months ago, we were out to dinner with father Nick Morrison, father Ray Schmidt, oh, yeah. and I got called out to take to, uh, a sick call. It wasn't a sick call. It was uh, a death call of an eight year old girl. It was awful. It was one of the worst things I've seen. And, uh, you guys all went to, I'm at Senior Brady's funeral. And so I went back to the rectory and it was alone. It was, it was like seven o'clock at night. I didn't have anything to do. Um, and I remember sitting in the house and thanks be to God, we got a little chapel in the room and I sat in there for about 45 minutes. Right. And I don't think I moved an inch from the chair. You're just, I'm like staring like three feet away from the Eucharist. And, and I'm thinking to myself, if I walked in and I was married, my wife would have said, what's going on? And we would have talked about it. But instead because I didn't have that natural relations, I walked into the chapel and poured my heart out in a way that I don't know that I could mm-hmm. have in prayer uh, with our Lord. And, I, and mm-hmm. I think there's, I think that's like the hint of like what celibacy is meant to do for us is to, right. is to draw us closer to, to the heart of God, uh, to the, you know, Priest, it is the heart of the love. I love yeah, the heart. And of one can speak of it because obviously there's also loneliness. I'm sure built in marriage too, because we're human. Right. And but there's a unique for each one yeah. that is 
that can be a positive when it leads us to the Lord. Yeah. And, and, right. and there's a unique one for marriage, and I believe a unique one for celibacy. Mm. And, and, and that's, so, a great, that's a great reflection, Father Jack. And in his book, he actually makes this point how it draws us to the Eucharist. And he says, this is Cardinal Schragen, he says, Priestly celibacy is born of the Eucharist. It gives a sacrificial meaning to the entire life of the priest. Yeah. And he, it says, it is from the Eucharist that he receives the grace and obligation to give his whole life a sacrificial dimension. You know, and it's kind of like, I guess it's those moments where you're like, <laughs> and, and I've had this too, where you're like, you like you preach at a retreat and then you go back to the rectory. It's like, cricket, cricket, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, I'll just stare at the wall. And they're like, all right, you better go pray, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it, and it is. And then you find that, that consolation in our Lord. And it's like, it's just constant going back to Jesus and then back to the people, you know? And it's, it's a grace. But it is, I mean, I think, People have to realize that celibacy is a sacrifice, like anything. Yeah, it's like, it's, like it's, it's yeah, right, exactly, and it, it's just what it is. But it's but if it's if it's brought to the Eucharist and like like you did there, it's like wow, you know, you, you know, just like sit there like all right, well, cool, you know, and then you go back and you and you do it again. You get called three o'clock in the morning, like oh no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there is, I think, there's also, I mean, to it, I mean. We don't like to talk about the practical thing, but there is a practicality about it and what we do. Because a life, a priest life, if he's, if you're living your celibacy well, you're going to be extremely busy. Mm. Like people are going to seek you out, and you're going to you're going to need that time with the Lord too. I mean, do you agree with that statement? Like, in other words, it's like I don't, I can't imagine being a priest and having a wife and kids at the same time. Like, I don't know if it, I don't, I don't know if it would be possible or is that, well, a well, wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't, I'm, I'm friends with a number of different uh, non, non-Catholic uh, ministers who could, good men and good men. Uh, but, but it's, it, they definitely, it would not be healthy for their married life or their, for their fatherhood uh, to try to live priesthood in the way we, I believe their uh, ministry in the way that we do, because, um, clearly, um, we're able to be that spiritual father to a greater degree in terms of time, um, because that's why the church has us live next door to the church, and 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 has us um, really we only have one day off as opposed to two days off, if that you know. And um, so it is it is for that reason. So I, I definitely definitely get what you're saying. I was just gonna see if anyone wanted to comment on. It, the, the misconception, and it kind of branch, it's, it branches out from this talk on celibacy. Um, and I'm sure you've heard it before, whether it be from people or, you know, people making, maybe joking about it. But when you, when you, what are priests, you know, you've heard it before. What are priests know about preparing anybody for marriage? What could you possibly, you know? And I mean, I, I've heard, I've even heard, uh, you know, we can't have a podcast without talking about deacons. So I've certainly heard deacons, <laughs> not our own, but I've heard deacons bring it up before that they should be more, for you know, more involved in marriage prep because, well, they're married. Um, and I think it kind of is a direct correlation to the celibacy thing. Uh, one of the misconceptions is what can you possibly offer a married couple as far as marital advice, especially marital advice, at, say, at, after marriage. Yeah, I mean, I would say I would say it's it's definitely two different things, it's two different realities, right? So one, the marriage prep. I mean, if, if we're talking about marriage prep, we really should be trying to. I mean, it would be more analogous to like baptismal prep, right? Which so it's what does it, what I mean by that is, you know, the way the church envisions it is that 
marriage prep is, although there are six months, quote unquote, worth of classes, you know, the, the preparation for marriage is remote from the time of birth. Like you learn right. what marriage is from your parents, which is why it's, right. it's always a, 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 stick, a, a troubling thing when, when, or difficult when for good when or divorce. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, right. And so, so remote preparations has been going on for marriage for, I don't know, 18, 25, 35 years. But what, what the priest is offering is an understanding of what we're entering into in the sacrament itself. Now, you know, um, yeah, where, I mean, you just, I think, I think, what do we know about it? Well, we know God, <laughs> you know, we're, we're here to reveal the mysteries of God and we live it out day, day to day, hour to hour. And, um, so, so yeah, I mean, if you want to know about how to, how to handle <laughs> somebody, uh, you know, or we, or how to handle, you know, chore schedules and all that kind of stuff. Nah, maybe we don't know. We haven't, we haven't lived, we don't have the lived experience of it. But, um, but what we do know is, and what the reason for that mar- that sacramental prep is, is to show you God in the midst of, of your daily life. That part I feel pretty confident talking about. And that we, we, yeah. we, we meet with so many, we meet people in so many different mm-hmm. types of marriage, the good, the bad, the really bad, that we have a lot of experience with many, many married couples in a very intimate way through confession, through spiritual direction, through counseling that the average married person themselves does not have. Yeah. Because right. uh, of a variety, a large variety um, that we experience. Because right off from a young priest, couples are coming to you. Yeah. And and early yeah. on, it's, it's, it's a lot tougher. But over time, you get much more of a sense. Uh, and you know the, the, the skills and the different things of a good marriage and what helped to make it and, and what formed this couple in Christ. And, and, and the things that are not so good. I was meeting with a couple just recently who were having some troubles and I think they were kind of surprised at all the practical things I was able to give them. But I said, a lot of this is based off of my being so close to so many married couples and them sharing so intimately, both their difficulties, their struggles and their triumphs and, and what has worked for them over the years. Yeah. has great. You know, and I think too, it's like, and going back to your question, Bill, it's like, what are we really trying to teach a young couple? It's, it's, it's just how to love in a selfless way. Mm. I mean, what, what breaks up marriages? Well, it's namely sin and just mm. being selfish if you unpack it. And it's like, so, I mean, if it, it, I think that it depends. I mean, like if we're not living genuine celibacy, you probably are worth nothing <laughs> to yeah. that couple. Well, yeah. It's like, all right. Yeah. Good luck. You know, cause if we're living like, like bachelors, we're, we don't have much to put on the table for that discussion because they're preparing to lay down our life to have a bunch of kids and like, you know, live a life of total gift to self. And I think, I think it really, it depends on how we're living our own vocation personally, but if you live it well, you have a lot to add to that conversation. And it goes in this book, he, Colonel Sarah kind of says this, he says a church that had no experience of being loved by celibate priests would end up no longer grasping the nuptial meaning of all sanctity. Indeed, priestly celibacy and marriage go hand in hand. If the one called into question, the other fails. Priests point out to spouses the meaning of the total gift. Spouses by their conjugal life point out to priests the meaning of their celibacy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's a, and I think that's Charles, I, I spent the night with my parents last night and I just, you know, it's been a while since my mom and dad together and you just, you know, just see my dad come home from work and greet my mom and all this. It was just like, wow, you know, just my mom and dad still love each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's just really cool. And it just, it's just kind of feeds 
you know, what, what am I, what am I in this for? And, and, uh, you know, like father Jack said, a lot of what we learned is from our mom and dad, yeah. right. And just seeing a marriage, a lot of vocations come out of good, good marriages, quite frankly. Right. I mean, I thought it was kind of that not universally true, but. Oh, but in but many large cases, part, I mean, I just, I just, I think this is why, um, and not to say this is the only by any means, but we've just seen such an increase in vocations from particularly homeschool families, um, right. because a, a number of them that, but just uh, that overall, that's exactly what the statistics bear out. Um, that strong marriages, and, and we definitely have kid young young people um, to religious life and priesthood who, who did not come from that, but and who have answered that call and done some beautifully. But, but we do see that there just seems to be when you have that example and. and it helps enormously to to then discern the priesthood and discern celibacy. Well, very good, uh, Father. Can I, I just want to end with. Uh, oh, sure. Let me. It's a great uh, thing that I had on one of my on my by Jean Baptiste Henry Lacordaire, um, one of the great Dominican uh, priests, and uh, he wrote this, and I had this on the back of my card uh, for ordination. Mm-hmm. A pri- it's all about the priesthood. A priest is to live in the midst of the world with no desire for its pleasures, to be a member of every family yet belonging to none, to share all sufferings, to penetrate all secrets, to heal all wounds, to daily go from men to God and to offer him their homage and petitions, to return from God to men to bring them his pardon and hope, to have a heart of fire for charity and a heart of bronze for chastity, to bless and to be blessed forever. Oh God, what a life. And it is yours, O oh priest of Jesus Christ. Amen. Prayer? How could you top that? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to that. Father Scott, I love your French too. It's awesome. Thank yeah. you, thank you. I worked really hard on it. It's almost as good as your Latin. Yeah. Wow, that wasn't even me. I didn't have to make that. I can take next week off. This is great. Hey, I can say that because having done these daily podcasts for a while, with the Jack, catechism. You wish- Oh, the, the, Jack, you wish you could say that quote about my last. I do. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I know. I know. I thought about it. All right, let's 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 end with it. You got to tell Father Scott that. Story. Oh, I definitely will. Yeah. Our, All right, cool. our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven, made heaven earth. earth. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, all the holy angels and saints, and the blessing of Mighty God come down upon you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.